Podcast Movies Edition, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to the Movies Podcast. In this edition, we look forward to some of the upcoming Blu-ray disc releases. And joining me for the podcast, as always, is Jer Simon and Mark. Good evening, guys. Good evening. Good evening, Phil. All right, Phil. And uh, we're going to look at the discs uh, which have perked our interest and uh, which are coming up very soon on Blu-ray. And let's start with one uh, which is still on its cinema run in some uh, areas, and that is Robin Hood, uh, the extended director's cut. It's coming to Blu-ray on the 13th of September. No USA date, and that is the UK date. Uh, so, guys, what do we think about uh, Sir Ridley Scott's new epic? Well, there's a bit of a problem, Phil, because none of us <laughs> have actually seen it. <laughs> but good choice for first disc, though. Yeah. Should we all just pretend? Yeah, let's pretend. Robin Hood, what an absolutely fantastic, epic piece of movie making. Much like Gladiator in a Forest, uh, lots of bows and arrows and whatnot, a couple of horses, fantastic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the thing is with, uh, with with all of his his films recently, they've always seemed or appeared to have something missing, and that's because they have. Because just about every film he's made recently has come out with an extended cut, which has made the thing much more epic and much more watchable, and has answered a lot of the questions that were left unanswered in the theatrical run. Um, now it's not. I mean, is this just a marketing spin that he does? Or is it a marketing spin that um, Universal are doing? Is it, do, do, are, they, are they filming one film for the theat- for theatrical run, they're, they're cutting it short to get the more uh, showings in through in the day? Or, and or, um, with full knowledge that they're going to release an extended cut and get the money again on the Blu-ray? Because everyone went to see the film and thought, no, oh, that was great, but there was something missing. Oh, yes, there was. Here's the extended cut. Happened with Wolf- Wolfman, didn't it? Just um, cut or, Wolfman. Or the audience watches it and goes, that's rubbish. I won't be picking up the Blu-ray. So that technique might backfire. Well, uh, here's a little experiment. Uh, Jared, go and have a look on IMDb and see how long it was in the cinema and then compare it with the disc. I, I already have it open because I'm such a good podcaster. 140 minutes. And there was an extra nine minutes taken off for the Cannes Film Festival because we all know the French are a bit intolerant. So, <laughs> they don't like the, 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 the longbow, do they? They're a bit no, scared no, of they don't. No, they don't. Okay, and the disc comes in at 156, so there's 16 extra minutes added in there. Still, though, two hours and 20 minutes, that's a bit of a whopper. Two and a half hours for the... And it's still got deleted scenes look, and, as part of the uh, extras. How long it's it almost is. like he's it's almost like he's making two films for two different markets as if it's you know the how much epicness can you fit in to a cinematic release and just figuring that perhaps those few extra minutes the extra 15 20 minutes might be just too much for people so he's putting out his real film on disc just seems a little odd yeah, surely the glory is seeing your real film on the big screen. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, maybe maybe the producers have a hand in this, and they're like, "Nah, too much. Extra nine minutes has to go, or whatever. Sixteen minutes." Well, um, uh, th- there's a possibility of that. But when when I don't want to name drop yet again, but when we were talking to to Mike Bassett, and he was saying about how how films are made, and how uh, you know he suffered with, with uh, the producer's hands because you know he didn't have the the clout. He wasn't well enough known. Someone like Ridley Scott has got that clout. I mean, he was telling us that in certain films, if it doesn't get made to his uh, his vision, he will put his own money into the film yeah so in effect he becomes a producer and therefore doesn't rely on their money he can eliminate them from the the equation so he can make the film that he wants to make 
So why release one and then release another one? But you know, particularly if, if you look at um, uh, Bailey, what was that? The Kingdom of Heaven film. Now, that made so much more sense in its extended form. But it was still awful. Well, yes and no, but it made so much more sense. It, it answered so many more questions. Gladiator itself, there was a lot more going on in the extended cut. There were certain scenes that answered questions that were left hanging, and it made much more sense. Why not just release the big one? I mean, we know these big films work. You know, Lord of the Rings is a... Is a mad example but we know that people can sit and watch a film for um two and a half three hours mm. how, how many extra minutes is in gladiator uh, 16 minutes seems a bit kind of cheap doesn't it for an extended cut yeah they're not going to fit in many more viewings showings of the film at the cinema by taking off 16 minutes of each yeah exactly sure. exactly so like if i was buying an extended cut i want at least 35 minutes extra for my money <laughs> so i probably just wouldn't bother <laughs> 16 Wouldn't minutes like, paying 50 pence from a Chinese stall absolutely not which is what I paid for THX 118 another film due out for release which we will not be talking about because it's rubbish <laughs> but again and I the, wouldn't pay 50p for it again the other flip of the coin here is though that there are some director's cuts which are shorter than the theatrical versions and are actually better movies because they're tighter and quicker and well um, that makes more sense because yeah losing a bit of fluff or losing a bit of padding is good. But like 16 minutes, you're not going to get in a whole epic battle scene in 16 minutes. Well, maybe you might. I'd say it's just all conversations and rubbish you really just wouldn't listen to anyway. Mm. That's just my opinion. <laughs> See, but when you say 16 extra minutes, we're all assuming that it's just literally 16 extra minutes. As Phil said, some directors take bits out, so you don't know exactly how much new footage you're getting there. Oh, you could have removed see. 15 minutes and put yeah, another well, 16 in. You know, perhaps he, he, he's had a little bit of a change of heart and decides that the pacing needs a bit of restructure or something like that. You know, he, he can always take out as well as put back in. And, yeah, yeah. Okay, point. well, he, here's another question. None of us have seen this. Uh, I, I, take it, I take it we're going to pick it up on, on disc. Jer hasn't seen it. He was making it up. And, uh... <laughs> I was so convincing. After shattering the illusion for the listeners now, they'll take my opinion like gold as they're all going, Jer's seen it, Scott. Bows and arrows. The about horses convinced me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Horses, forests. Better go and see that. Uh, but, okay, let's get to this serious question. You buy this. Do you go straight to the theatrical version, watch that, and then go to the extended? Or do you just watch the extended cut and then that's it, you've watched the disc? I've extended cut for me, thanks very much. Yeah, I would always go with the extended cut. See, thinking I, that I, would be the preferred version. Now, see, I'd, I'd want to go back to the theatrical version because I, I think sometimes when you dip straight in on the disc, if you haven't seen it for a while, it, it can almost wash over you the new scenes. You don't really realise where you're getting you know, the extra benefit of the director's cut. I'd want to see. Time. You know. you've, got, you've got too much time in your hands, Mark. But then again, um, what what is is it actually the preferred version? Because I remember um, Sir Ridley on the intro to the Gladiator extended cut saying that it wasn't his director's cut; that was the theatrical version. But he would just wanted to add a little bit extra in. Oh yeah, but is he just saying that? I mean, why do it? To be honest, when it comes to Ridley Scott, if you, I mean, some of his quotes about also the mistakes that he made with Blade Runner and the like. He, he seems particularly critical of his own work. So, you know, I don't always think you can take what he says as, as gospel if, he, if he's not fully satisfied with something. I suppose I it's, it's, uh, it, 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 it goes, goes for something to say that the, the studios um, obviously finance him. But as I said, I mean, he might have done this with his own money, but at least he's going back. Um, perhaps he didn't like the... the critical backlash that he got from the film and he thought oh well okay that wasn't quite right um i've now got the money and the footage crucially the footage to go back and maybe tweak it fix it make it a better film was which, there an extended which can only be good did he do an alien? Alien? well yeah. no there was a director's cut of alien wasn't there we, ah. we just, we're talking about the um there was a a, a slot it was slightly shorter i think and different scenes were added and some were taken out um yeah, but but it was essentially the, the same sort of film, same sort of runtime, as far as I can remember. But there were mm. there were the odd little scenes, you know, the the, the um, Dallas was stuck against the wall and turning into the egg, and the the fight between the two girls, you know, that that sort of stuff was never in the original. And um, adding the few bits in made it sl- 
just turn the emphasis ever so slightly, one or two degrees away from what it was. What was um, the what was the fight with two girls like? Yeah, it sounds interesting. It was, yeah, it was just it was just one one slap. I'm afraid there was nothing. Oh, nothing. Yeah. No baby oh. oil and nothing. No, no, no. no bottle of alien drool. No, they, they they weren't rolling around in jelly or uh, there was no it was, it was it was perfectly innocent if you could call it such a <laughs> rolling around <laughs> in jelly. Look how television programs are you walking? Well, there was plenty of slime on there, wasn't there? The the, the <laughs> alien had all this slime everywhere. They could have been, you know, rolling around in jelly. That'd just be a mess. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Do a whole series in different flavors. <laughs> 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 I'll tell you what though a good cast for Robin Hood Russell Crowe Kate Blanchett Max Van Sydow William Hurt pretty sure and Kevin Durand as well I have to say I like that guy yeah no I, no, I definitely plan on picking this up on Blu-ray I'd say it's going to look fantastic as well and sound awesome well I'm sure Chris will do the uh, the epic review that he does on a film that he's seen at least three or four times I already know anyway moving swiftly on fact is, is that you know the most ridiculed part of the film, though, surely, is, is Russell Crowe's accent, which everyone's kind of laid into, which is something that you can't really go back and change. Oh, what did he do in his which accent? You can. You redub it. It's easy. <laughs> redub it. Is it an English accent? Would you like to be the one to tell Russell Crowe that you've redubbed his voice? <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't. But I might do it over an email. Especially not if you said it as props from Robin Hood. <laughs> And just for completeness, uh, there's also a double pack coming out with Robin Hood and uh, Gladiator in there. Um, now, Simon, I, I see you put a note next to that saying new print of Gladiator, question mark. I wouldn't have thought so. Well, it's, nope. you know, wishful thinking. It's it's 13th September, so there's a few months yet. You never know. It'll be nice might to be think. Nice, it? Might be a nice cardboard slipcase, though. Oh, I like cardboard slipcases. Yeah, no, it's not going to be a new print. This is just a money-making scheme. Because if they were releasing a new print, it would be Gladiator, Definitive Edition, new print, and it'll be sold separately. Yeah, yeah that's nice. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get the double dip at some point, either at the end of this year or uh, beginning the next on Gladiator, I would imagine. Let's move on. Let's move on to Alfred Hitchcock. North by Northwest came out this year, earlier this year. Absolutely fantastic disc. And the next one to hit Blu-ray from 1960 is Psycho. So, guys, are we looking forward to this? Absolutely. It's the classic, classic film, isn't it? Classic film. Um, what else can you say about a classic film? It's classic. <laughs> Psycho. Classic. My God, come on. Uh, Psycho. I think I'm too young for Psycho. That's the problem. I, I don't. I watched it like, and it was good and all, but in a very good direction, good acting. But it just didn't do it for me as a film. I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and watch it again on Blu-ray. You need to. You need. All to. I remember is the shower scene, and then the old woman sitting upstairs watching <clears> the man. No, no, the, the whole pacing of it is incredible. It starts off as one film. You're thinking um, Janet Lee is, is stealing the money. You think, oh, this is going to be a nice, strange little thriller. And then she goes to the hotel, and all of a sudden it twists into this horrific, scary, classic film. You know, it it, it take, takes from one one he leads you down the garden path into what you think is going to be a you know reasonable one film, and then it changes direction so dramatically at that scene. Well, now you've ruined it for me. I couldn't really remember. And now I'm going to be like, I can't wait for it to change well, in pace. Yeah. That's going to well, ruin the whole atmos. Well, better than that, it's got the chocolate sauce in it, mate. Oh, it's awesome. Awesome. What's, what's the chocolate sauce? Oh, you wait. You see it. You see the chocolate sauce, mate. It's brilliant. And, and of course, this uh, this was the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, wasn't it? It was the original... Um, you know, what happens in rural America, what goes on mm-hmm. behind closed doors. Uh, wasn't whole, it based on Ed Gain? Well, yeah, which which is what Texas Chainsaw is also uh, uh, loosely based on. Yeah, no, I was just saying for the benefit of the listeners, Phil. <laughs> I don't even know who Ed Gain is. <laughs> he was a uh, prolific serial killer in the United States. I thought the Brother Texas Chainsaw Red. Massacre. I thought, I thought... <laughs> killer. <laughs> I thought I thought that um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was based on a true story about a family, not one guy. I think you're thinking of the Waltons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to bed yet, ma'am. I'm just eating Mary Ellen. 
<laughs> you could phrase that so it's much better, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry about that, Walton. <laughs> oh dear. Tell you what, what a pack of what a pack of additional supplements in Psycho. That wow. Well, it's it's getting a, a, an awesome release, isn't it? Um, this is it's from Universal. It's coming out on the 9th of August. Um, there doesn't appear to be a US date yet, but uh, it's it's been 50th anniversary, and we, we're getting a meticulously restored, perfect digital picture and the purest DTS 5.1 digital sound. It makes it sound fantastic, doesn't it? And I would think it mm. would clean up really, really well because it, it's it's beautifully lit. It's a fabulous-looking film, and all the prints I've seen have never been particularly dodgy. So I think it will clean up and look spectacular. And if they if they do half as good a job as they've done in North and Northwest, then it's going to be incredible. And like you say, there's a whole host of extras coming up. Loads and loads of them. Um, what's that shower scene? Look at the impact of the music on the famous shower scene. Do you remember the music, Joe? Yeah, it went... Wee, stabbing wee, violins. Wee, wee. Yeah, uh, with a violins. I just thought it was a special effect. Oh. <laughs> wee, wee, wee. Yeah, wee, okay. wee, wee. <laughs> just like that. Man stepping on a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's just in the sound room, there's a whole floor full of mice. Yeah. Wee, That's wee, how they did it. Oh, cool. Violins. <laughs> what a little nonsense. There's a, a whole host of extra features. Going from the sound to the various the shower scenes, uh, there's a making of, there's a, in the Master's Shadow Hitch, Hitchcock Legacies featurette, there's interviews, there's an audio commentary, there's news fills footage, it goes on and on and on and on. Now, a lot of this stuff has actually already been released on the DVD, um, but then you, know, you kind of expect that with a film of this calibre, it's going to already have had a load of extra stuff released with it already. Um, but we are thinking that the audio commentary... Um, with Stephen Rebello, who is the author of um, Alfred Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho. We think that's new. Um, so that'll be worth picking up. I mean, if the film itself is worth picking up because it's just a, a classic film, as I've said, I don't know how many times now. I guess uh, one of the interesting things here is also Psycho Sound, which is not on the DVD, um, and actually says that it's a never-before-seen piece that looks at the remastering process, um, which is required to create the 5.1 mix. So... That'd be quite interesting to look at. Uh, that uses the audio dynamics. Dynamics? Namics? I'm not Na- sure. Audio namics. Audio namics. Audio namics. Never heard of it. But uh... audio namics. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Oh, interesting pick. Yeah. Audio dynamics. Audio namics. Audio namics. I like audio-namics. that. Audio namics. Yeah, uh, so that looks like a feature-packed disc. It's out 9th of August, and I guess all three of us have that uh, down as a pre-order, or will do very soon. Absolutely. So let's move on, and uh, let's stay with the catalogue titles, and let's move to um, the Ultimate Restored Edition 2010, The World at War. Uh, £99, it's going to have nine discs, 26 episodes. It's out on the 20th of September. No USA date. So, guys, uh, this was the the uh, well, it was the original big documentary that that chronicled the whole of the Second World War, narrated by uh, Lawrence Olivier uh, and Eric Porter. Did any of us catch it first time round? Anybody interested in having a look at it this time around? Um, I sort of remember it being on. Um, but I didn't really take much notice of it being being too young at the time, but I sort of remember it being on when my, my parents were watching it. Um, but you're right, it's a seminal piece of television um, filmed at just about the right time. I, I did view one of these discs for the site, actually, oh, two, th- almost when I started, four or five years ago, um, only one when it was re-released then, um, and it is seminal. It is a classic piece of television chronicling just about, or as much as they can within 26-hour episodes of the Second World War. And it is, I would say, essential viewing for everyone should see this film, just to know exactly what went on so that you don't forget. Um, As a kid, it sort of washes over and you don't think about it. Even when you're at school learning about history, you don't even, you know, you sort of, yeah, 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 whatever. But as you get older, you get to appreciate history. Um, And when I saw this, or when I reviewed this disc, Wait a few years ago now, it really hit home just how important it is to watch and understand and realise what went on um, during that wartime period. Um, 
and what I what I wanted to say as well was that uh, there's a little bit of controversy going about that it's been um, matted to a, a, a 1.78 or 1.85 ratio from its original 1.33. Now, to be quite honest, that is not an issue. Who cares? It doesn't matter. You have to see it, irrespective of the aspect ratio. Buy the DVD, watch the DVD, or the Blu-ray in this case, and uh, get absorbed within this incredible series. It has to be seen. Don't worry about the aspect ratio. Buy it, watch it, and understand it. It's immense. And, of course, Mark, uh, there's a lot of almost docu-drama at the moment uh, covering the Second World War. We've had Band of Brothers and now uh, Pacific. Um, that obviously gets interest up as well as, as the anniversaries that that have been happening this year. So do you think that's going to draw people in to, to find out a bit more about what actually happened and maybe look at this box set? Oh, I definitely think there's an, there's an argument that that's the case. There's always some people wondering whether certain subject matters shouldn't be dramatised or, or should they be respectful of uh, those who died in particular conflicts. But I, I think generally any dramatisation within reason and that's respectful of the the original material tends to draw a, a new generation and a new audience to the to the material. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think there's a, uh, a younger market that can look at these discs and, uh, as Sai says, be absorbed by them. I guess, Jer, as well, you know, those dramatisations being actually based on real stories and in some cases we have the actual people talking about the experiences at the start of the episodes as well. It gives it that that, that little bit more of realism and, of course, some of the scenes that are filmed, even though they're, you know, it, it's a drama, it's, it's absolutely shocking and, and you're kind of glad that you, you were born in the 60s, 70s or 80s and, and missed it all. Yeah, exactly, Phil. I mean, like, um, I have to say, uh, I'm not a big history buff, but if you're interested in history, and especially the history of World War II, there is really no better way to, you know, experience what actually happened and all the atrocity that everybody went through. I mean, uh, then getting this world at war, uh, I mean, like 20 million Russians, Russians, two and a half million Germans, 48,000 British and 300,000 Americans lost their lives. So, you know, it, it'd be a fast, fascinating, fascinating documentary. It's a whopper as well. Nine discs, you're getting the whole series in there. Uh, me personally, I'm not a big history buff and I'll be sticking with Band of Brothers and the Pacific. But yeah, this it, it, it does look like a, a fairly comprehensive set. Most of a purist, so I'll be waiting for the original unmatted version and the black and white edition to come out. I don't, as I said, I don't think it matters. Really, no. don't, don't, no, don't. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the purists would be going for it, but I mean, like the whole thing has been put into color. So I mean, like, why would you even argue about the aspect ratio? It's it, even if it has been colored, doesn't matter. The content is still the same. Yeah, yeah it's I not know. like they've stuck in an alternate ending or anything. Yeah, that's true. So, how does it look? In colour, was I haven't actually ever even seen this, but I remember it was a big deal when it was on. I think the the, the History Channel or whatever it was on, or National Geographic, that the whole thing had been restored in colour and or pseudo coloured, or whatever the correct terminology is. So I'm wondering, does it work or does it look false? I, I think there's been a a great deal of respect paid to how how they've actually colourised it and how they've done the colour time, and it looks it, well. It's bit. If I remember correctly from one of the documentaries that I have seen, they actually did the colour palette from photographs of the time and looking at film that was in colour at the time and looking at the, the chemical makeup of that and trying to match that when they recolorized the, the black and white scenes. So I certainly think they've tried to, to pay respect to it and, and not just coloured it for the sake of colouring it, if you catch my drift. I do, yeah, no, interesting stuff. I have to say I'd be very, very tempted to make the Germans pink if I was in charge of that process, though. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the reason why you won. Probably, probably. Yeah, you got to hand it to the Germans, though, you know, 4-1. <laughs> I really did wonder how long that was going to take to come out. I re- oh. <laughs> I've got to say it was, you know, Entertaining. Anyway, let's move on. So let's go back to uh, 1984. Uh, director John Anvilson. I don't think he did anything else after this. Um, the Karate Kid. What do we think, guys? I have to say, I'm a big, big fan of the Karate Kid. I mean, like when it when it came out, it was one of those movies that just seemed to capture every child's imagination. 
you had karate schools opening up all over the goddamn place. You had kids standing on the beach doing that crane kick with their arm out or their arms sticking out. You'd, you know, the, the whole, you'd Mr. Miyagi growing bonsai trees. Fantastic kids movie, fantastic. Completely harmless, but exciting at the same time and inspired a whole generation to go out and learn, you know, martial arts. So nothing wrong with that. Wax on, wax off. See, wax I always on, thought that off. was some kind of a parent's conspiracy. You've got a, a film aimed at kids that's basically telling them if you do enough chores, you'll know karate. I did. You know, <laughs> paint a fence, wax cars. You know, I'm surprised it didn't stick in hoovering and washing up as well. <laughs> I did. I, w- I wasted several years painting fences, polishing cars and trying to catch flies with chopsticks. What a wasted youth. But it's made you the man you are today. Absolutely. Ralph, Ralph Macchio, he did disappear into obscurity, didn't he, after this film? I mean, he, yeah. he certainly hit all the right notes for this one, didn't he? The, uh, yeah, he, be, the, he became a child superstar after this, you know? Didn't, didn't do anything with it. Except he wasn't a child at the time. Why, what age was he? It was like, uh, it was in his early 20s when he made this. Was he? I think he was born about, you know, 61, 62, something like that. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. He looks young. He's like Michael J. Fox. What was the song that come from it then? The song, you see, this is what I've been trying to think. Um, it's been really bothering me. And what was the name of that song you said? Fight for your honor. Fight for your honor. No, it wasn't. Oh, I am one man who will fight for your honor. I'm sure I know that it was. was. No, no, no. You're the best. You remember that one? Tina Turner. Tina no, Turner. no, no, oh, that's no, simply no. the best. Oh, no, you're the best. You're the best. You're the best. That one. You don't know that one. Yeah. <laughs> probably will be on the Blu-ray um, as is Life of Bonsai as we mentioned it could be a rather lengthy feature alright uh, I don't think personally I won't be picking this up on Blu-ray but I would definitely recommend it for anyone who's got a couple of kids and who haven't seen this before yeah you can do a lot worse than The Karate Kid it makes a very entertaining viewing doesn't it it is it's very it's entertaining extremely entertaining viewing and it's yeah it, it, get, it gets you going doesn't it and, uh, and talking about um, interest and back catalogue titles, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Tita Checks, 1138. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you slipped that in. <laughs> Seamless. <laughs> oh, dear. A director's cut, no less. On the 27th of September. Yeah, um, oh god, um, I, as, I, I, I picked this up in China for 50 pence at a black market. I watched it, and if I could, I'd return it if it wasn't 500 miles of travel. I really did not like this film at all, one little bit. I didn't get it. I didn't engage with me at all, and I'm not too sure what a director's cut is going to do unless it's chopped some time out of it. It's only 90 minutes long, though, which is quite... Well, I suppose it's an older movie, I suppose. But yeah, I I'm, I'm, won't be picking this one up in Blu-ray. Although it is a kind of a... You know, one of Lucas's, you know, first feature debut. Um, so it has got some sort of c- cinematic history tag to it. It's just not a great film, in my opinion. It was, no, it was actually the film that bankrupted um, Francis Ford Coppola. It was the first film that were, they were going to make under Coppola's new company. And when the studio saw it, they, were, they withdrew all the money. So there you go. That's and how it's bad only it was. now that people are watching it going, yeah, what a great film, when in fact it's not really. No, no, it's a terrible film. Well, it, it seemed to have picked up a tremendous cult audience, but I really just do not get it. Well, at least, you know, the THX... You know, they got THX out of it, so that's pretty good. And the 1138 is a good code to get into all the, the uh, uh, Star Wars DVDs to find all the hidden bloopers. So, yeah. Ah, interesting. At least, at least those two, at least the title has got some sort of use, whereas the film itself is largely forgettable. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, little, little in-jokes in, in the Star Wars trilogy about 1138 and so on few robots with that number on them so uh, moving on from that trash uh, let's go and double dip because it seems to be double dip season coming up soon and uh, two titles to talk about quantum of solace but first of all let's talk about uh, rambo the extended cut yes released on uh, 27th of july my birthday from lionsgate 
Um, this is a US disc. There's no UK date yet. It's the uh, extended version of uh, Sly Stallone's return to his iconic character from the 80s, John Rambo. Hailed as the best Rambo yet. I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, well, you see, Simon, it, you, have, you have to look and see where the reference is coming from. Yeah. Mm, it was um, it was extremely violent. Not a huge amount of story to it. Um, so he, he looks old and bedraggled and uh, world weary. Takes takes the uh, takes the idiots who want to go into the, the jungle. It's Burma, isn't it? They want to take him into Burma and do their goody goodies. When he's saying, "Oh no, don't go in there. You'll get killed." And lo and behold, they get killed. And he goes in to rescue the girl. Horrifically violent. Some really really nasty stuff going on in there. So I hate to think what the extended cut adds to it. But really. Was it a good film? I don't know. It's difficult to say. I didn't really enjoy it. Um, does it I, s- sit neatly with the Rambo trilogy? I think I'd put it above Rambo 2, because I hated Rambo 2. I'd, I'd almost put this as kind of like a reinvention of the franchise. It's not really linked to the other Rambos, aside from the fact that Rambo's in it and he's a bit old. The story doesn't carry on. But as you said, Simon, it is tremendously violent. I have to say I enjoyed it. The o- the opening scene is that the the terrorists are ripping through that village is some some of the most disturbing and horrific scenes I've seen in a film in you know the last maybe ten years <laughs> at a stretch. It is horrifically fun, but it's a, it's almost like a throwback to those classic eighties movies where you know the dialogue's kind of pants, the acting's not great, the story's not really there, but at least you've got the violence like Commando and various other types of movies. I I I, I enjoyed it. It's a enjoyable piece of fodder. Yeah, that you can just th- enjoy. Th- those yeah those type of films they had some sort of verve though. They had something going for them. You know, it was the 80s. They, when, when you look at, back at them now, the, yes, they are that, exactly what you said, but they still got some sort of X factor, whereas yeah, this the 80s factor. didn't. Yeah, the okay, yeah, that's probably as good a word as any, but this didn't have that. It was just horrible for the sake yeah, but, of being horrible. Yeah, but you see, the trick is, if you pretend it was made in the 80s, then you enjoy it. <laughs> like, like, like the recent one of my recent favorite films, The Punisher. Not the, not the, you know, the original one with Thomas Jane. I really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed it, and plenty of people hated it purely because it's an '80s film that's just misplaced. A couple of decades late, that doesn't matter. <laughs> but I tell you what, it was, it's some good-looking transfer, and the audio mix on it is tremendous as well on the, on, on the Blu-ray. I'd like to know uh, what are the extended cut entails, though. Whether or not it's more violence or it's a bit more. Character? Could you get more character out of it? I don't know. It'd be interesting to know. Doesn't exactly. really have much character to begin with. No, no, exactly. So it'd be interesting to know exactly what has been added to it. Mm? Sorry, but was the original cut unrated? Uh, um, I don't think so. Given no, that this it, one's unrated. Then the extended cut usually means they've just stuck in most of the stuff that they had to take out to get a, a low enough certificate. Mm. It'd be interesting to know. I mean, we were talking about um, Robin Hood with its sixteen minutes. Uh, it'd be interesting to know how long this one is. I mean, extended cuts typically are only two to three minutes to gain it that unrated um, certificate. Um, if you look at a lot of the, the horrors that have been released, you know, they get the extended cuts, two to three minutes of added boob or added blood. Um, Apparently here, it says here, um, it's a little bit rearranged and more emotional. Mm, that doesn't sound very good. More emotional. Oh. More emotional. I wonder if he stubs his toe or something. Bangs his nail on that big gun, maybe. Could easily happen. Oh, my finger. You know. <laughs> uh, well, it's obviously going to be, what was the name of the chicken? Um, Julie, Julie. Ben. Yeah. So there's obviously going to be some sort of a relationship there that's going to look disturbing because Stallone looks so old and plasticky. So, you know, uh, it's probably not going to add a whole lot to the whole thing. But there's an additional 90 minutes of all-new bonus features, including mm. Stallone's video production diary. Although you have to hand it to Stallone, you know, nobody's, nobody's got the balls to make movies like this anymore, and he turns out Rambo, and then he's going to do The Expendables as well. You know what I mean? And he's funding them, he's a director, so my hat's off to him for at least trying to bring back good man movies. I was going to say, there's always the feeling, almost, that he's making the films that basically he can star in because there isn't anything really out there for him at the moment. You know, the kind of eighties movies, as Jer says, you know, Schwarzenegger and Stallone and, you know, Van Damme and Seagal, you know, those kind of action type films that basically looked past plot, 
story, script, or even acting ability just to basically put out as many action sequences as possible. Anyway, 007, definitive edition. What's that all about? Not seen it. Quantum of Solace. A movie definitive edition, yeah. I mean, all it is is um, this is the 28th, the day after my birthday. I'm just sort of getting throw that in once more. Um, nobody's noting down that day. No, no nobody cares. No, I know, I know. But you know, you know. <laughs> the... Um, because they've done exactly the same with um, uh, Casino Royale, didn't they? They released a, a virtually a bare-bones disc, and then, you know, six, eight months later, to coincide uh, with the release of the theatrical version of this version, the uh, that definitive edition with, you know, two-disc ultra set with all whiz-bang extras on it. The film itself hadn't changed, although it was slightly tweaked. The, the visuals were slightly tweaked. So presumably, this is what they're doing here. They've, um, they're releasing the disc that we should have had uh, when it was first released last year, you know, a two-disc special edition with all the extras that we know exist for it. Um, but this time, this it doesn't coincide with anything. Yeah, well, it might coincide with the end of the franchise altogether. Oh, Do you reckon? God, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. MTM went bust, didn't they? Yeah, possibly. Could Poss- very well be the last ever Bond. Yeah. Oh, why? Oh, somebody's bound to pick that up. They can't let James Bond just peter out, especially not in Quantum of Solace, because... Although it's a tremendous looking disc and the opening scene is fantastic, it as as a whole the movie is you know it's a bit disjointed. It's a little bit confusing at times. Some of it just doesn't make any sense. It is not the Bond best Bond by any stretch of the imagination. We all know that's gold tonight. Oh, I don't know. I like um, Casino Royale myself. Casino Royale is good. Golden Eye is the best, and it's not because Pierce Brosnan's in it because he's not the best <laughs> Bond, <laughs> but it is the best film. I didn't think the music suited the film. Yeah, but you can't base it on the music. Oh, of course you can. Bond's all about the music. Oh, no, I'm not yeah. yeah, the James Bond music, not the title team. Ooh, chimpanzee that. Monkey news. Monkey news. King Kong, 1933, come with the Blu-ray. Absolutely. At long last, the original 1933 version, out in September 28th. Um, this is an American date, 34.99. As a classic by so many people that they cite it as their uh, reason for getting to film, not least um, Harryhausen and, of course, Pete Jackson, who remade it recently. Um, it'll be brilliant. I know Chris is jumping up and down to review this one, and it's months and months away, yeah. But still, it's going to be fabulous. It was an absolute, absolutely gorgeous DVD edition, which was released two years ago in a steel book. So hopefully... This this is going to transfer well over onto Blu-ray, um, and I will be picking it up, even though I've still got my original DVD there. And I guess there's a lot of debate, guys, as well, about Kong having emotion, and a lot of people cite this version as being, you know, the, the one where Kong actually looks real, even though it's stop motion and not CGI or uh, a man in a suit as it was in 76. Yeah, it's amazing, that animation. Um, the, the way that you can get that emotion... From, from a puppet, um, particularly at the end. It's incredible. Even though it's sometimes a bit jerky and sometimes not quite right, it, you, you still feel it's, it's actually there, isn't it? Although it's a you know, two-foot-tall puppet, it's actually there. It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I agree with you, Phil, 100% there, yeah. Is Mark taking part tonight? Yeah, no, no, I'm taking part. What do you want me to comment on? King Kong? (laughs) (laughs) He's been busy watching the football, isn't he? (laughs) I won't say because Phil's Sky Plus'd it. (laughs) It's a good game, though. I've I've got a feeling it'll be about 4-0 at Brazil, probably. You're close. Yeah, uh, some comment about King Kong would be nice. No, I I think that someone's crackling. I think that's you. Might be. I'm laying down. No, there it was. That's not me. Are you, are you lying down recording the podcast? <laughs> Get up and take Yeah, it's so, it was, it was right, that was me. I was just shaking my wires to stop them. <laughs> See? <laughs> Knew it wasn't me. Now, King Kong, uh, the classic. I, I just think the stop motion allowed animators to look at the kind of the minutiae of, of movements. They could just in, inject little bits of humanity even in in uh, monsters as as you saw in many of Harryhausen's films or even in in um Odd Man animations you know you you could look at small parts of the body little things uh, it'll be an eyebrow it'll be just a little twitch of kong 
and that will make all the difference. It, it seems to inject a, a great amount of humanity into these kind of monsters, these beasts. That's a great saying, a twitch of Kong. A twitch of Kong, I was thinking <laughs> yeah. the same thing. <laughs> that sounds like a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark, I have to agree with you, all right. There, there is the, the, the stop motion does have a certain amount of charm that, you know, just marks that period in time right up until whatever, the early 80s. If you did it now, it probably just would not look as good as we've seen with Peter Jackson's effort, although that is a tremendous film, I have to say, a bit overly long, but I have to say the, the battles between Kong and the various island inhabitants is fairly exciting. But it's like talking about the old Clash of the Titans and how how good the animate, how good the stop motion is, how good those skeletons look. And then it's just a whole lot better than the you know, more recent efforts where the CGI just looks fake, but there's just an element of realism to stop motion that you just you can't capture it anymore. Were there skeletons? But, Were there skeletons in uh, Clash of the oh, Titans? Sorry, Jason and the Argonauts, I meant. There was a misquote there. Thanks for pointing that out. But I'll do that bit again, or do you want to leave in this whole thing? And you also yeah. said 48,000 British dead in World War Two. 48,000? 480,000? Yeah. Oh, that. just cut me out. Cut me out of the podcast. <laughs> whatever. And you know what? That was at least 25 minutes ago. I could have come in straight away. Went, Sorry, oh, it's been a good game. And now I'm just an idiot because I can't go back and say the whole thing again because I can't remember what I was blabbering on about. Just, just say 480,000 now and Phil will be able to cut it in. He's a oh, master yeah. at 480,000. Hey, but what about the end of the seven, eh? God, tell you what. <laughs> now, I was cruelly edited there. <laughs> a point. Was I that was a twitch of gong? <laughs> <laughs> you, you do know that we're going to have to re- just just do dedicate one podcast to seven. You do know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I know, sure. because I'll be right and I'll be vindicated. It'll be like when uh, no. that woman released those doves when Michael Jackson was found innocent. You know, that's what people will be doing with me. They know that I was right. Because <laughs> you are comparable to Michael Jackson. Like the bloody fugitive I've been set up here. <laughs> what kind of laugh is that? <laughs> Terrible. Anyway, let's wrap up this podcast this month with uh, The Goonies, um, 25th Anniversary Ultimate Collector's Edition. Another disc which is already out in Blu-ray. No UK date, but this is coming out November the 2nd in the US. It's coming from Warner Brothers. And uh, guys, this film, you either love it or hate it. So let's speak to the lovers first. Brilliant film. Absolutely excellent It's a kid's adventure film that I think a lot of adults don't understand. If you look at a lot of the reviews from back when it first came out, it got some pretty dire press. A lot of people saying that it was uh, too violent, it was too too dark in places, that it, it lacked a certain joie de vivre. But it's just, it's classic comic book fare it's it's kids finding treasure it, it it's brilliant it's it's full of life it's full of energy bit of humor and you've got you know kids looking for a bloke called one-eyed willy what's not to like yeah but it's rubbish isn't it simon I, it's not rubbish it is rubbish <clears throat> no it's not it's rubbish just rubbish if you what did you watch this when you were a kid or did you watch it when you were elderly I watched it about five years ago. You see, you were an uh, elderly. You, see, see, you missed out in the magic. If you, if, if, you old if this was This was one of the best kids' movies out at the time. I, 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 can, no, I can't believe you don't like this. Something completely wrong with it. Even, even if you look at who was involved in it. Richard Donner, Steven Spielberg, Chris Columbus, Sean Astin, Josh Brolin, and Corey Feldman. I mean, like... They all went on to just better their careers from this. And it's something rare when you've got such a collection of such young, like, blooming talent and are able to produce such a tremendous film. It's got excitement, romance, adventure, swashbuckling, baby roots, one-eyed willies, <laughs> gold doubloons, and the immortal. Hey, you guys. It's fantastic. <laughs> like the Karate Kid, if you've got kids and you've never watched this, Go and get this now and watch it with him because it's absolutely tremendous. I've got to agree with you 100% there, Jet. I think 1985, just I think it was a golden year for these types of films. Uh, 
the likes of uh, Back to the Future and this, and uh, it, it's one of those films that if you saw it when you were at the right age, and, and I certainly wasn't when it first came out, I went to the cinema to see it, it's, it's just one of those adventure films that, that just don't get made anymore. There's just, you know, kids' films these days are CGI crap all the way through. This is a good, honest, bit of fun, uh, searching for treasure, lots of good humour in there, and lots of in-jokes as well, and I can see why, you know, if you, you only watched it five years ago, Simon, I can see why you hated it, really. Mm. Yeah, Every just, it didn't do anything for me. It was, I mean, I can see the attraction to kids, but it just really, it just didn't do anything for me. It was cliched. It was obvious. You know, it just, it just it's didn't. Charming. Do it. It's charming. I mean, like, yeah. the, like, like the Karate Kid. This inspired a whole host of guys who went out to try and be like that wee guy, Dada making suction cups out of rope and tying bits of string around bits of metals and making grappling hooks and all sorts of stuff. You know what I mean? It, it's an inspired... Like, you, you're right, Phil. You don't get that with modern movies because you don't get kids going to watch something like, I don't know, Bolt and going out and try and emulate the adventure that they have experienced at the cinema. This film, you were out in the forest looking for treasure, climbing down drains, getting yourself into all sorts of trouble and the movie just inspires it because it's, it, it, it is so good. The Truffle Shuffle. I was just going to say, take <laughs> oh, a yeah, look at the fact. Kind of forget the Truffle Shuffle. <laughs> exactly. Every yeah. kid wanted to find a secret map or something in their loft. It, it, it somehow managed to mix the the mundane of of everyday life with this idea of you know finding adventure right on your doorstep. I got into so much trouble because I went around my house pulling all the pictures out of the frames, checking them behind <laughs> to make sure I didn't miss something. Off, off a lot of false hope in that film though as well because they, they were about to get evicted weren't they and, and that just said to kids you know if your parents are going to get evicted go and find a treasure map and you'll solve all the problems yeah but it gave them hope before they were turfed out in the streets with all their belongings plus technically I mean we don't even know that those jewels were real that he finds in the end we also don't know whether it was fi- found on government land or whether he has to turn them over to the state so That's what about the-, the end of the seven eh yeah yeah, yeah. well I'm right about that and I'm right about the goonies you're right about the Goonies because you said it was a good film I agree with you Mark for once. it is it's a brilliant film I mean like Simon you, what, what about the bit at the end where, where they're in the pirate ship and he slides down the sail with the knife and he sticks it in the sail and he comes all the way down and saves them from the evil guys fantastic stuff hmm so exciting when they get when, when they get on the ship at the end and everything. It, it was so good that, that um, Orlando Bloom even did it in Pirates of the Caribbean. They, <laughs> exactly. That's how good it was. Exactly. That was the whole thing about that character, though, was that he was you know kind of locked up and just watched television, and so he kind of becomes this walking cliche that you know when he's put in that swashbuckling scenario, he has to do that. He has to stick the knife in the sail and and kind of abseil down like that. It was brilliant. What else are you do? Yeah, exactly. What else are you going to do in a pirate ship? Does he even walk in the plank in it? Tremendous. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like Indiana Jones for kids at the start when they're going through the caves trying to get to the ship and there's all booby traps and all sorts of skeletons lying around. And yeah, it's just it's superb. Even the idea of, of ending up at the bottom of a wishing well, you know, just it, it's so full of brilliant ideas, the kind of thing that kind of uh, ignites a child's imagination. I can't believe you don't like this sign. Show that fat kids can get out there too, you know, and be popular if they use their fat to make them popular by juggling around the place. (laughs) (laughs) And meet a giant disabled man with a a weird face. Exactly. (laughs) They're the original odd couple, but they do gel so well. (laughs) You'd think they'd make a sitcom from that. They would, yeah. What was that guy's name anyway? I'm, uh, I'm slot, yeah, <laughs> slot and chunk sitting around their apartment eating baby roots. <laughs> the baby doesn't count. It, it doesn't. You keep saying that, but you've got no proof. I, I made a very succinct argument. No, no. Phil read the book seven. and he's confused himself. Look, the, the baby doesn't count. The 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 woman's head is envy. Kevin Spacey become is Roth or whatever. That that's it. No, 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 no. Why is it called the Seven? Then he has to kill seven people. He doesn't say he has to kill seven. Ah, ah. Right, right. It, it, yeah, yeah. Got you now. Right. Okay. He has to kill seven people. Yeah. What yeah. about Lust then? Huh? He doesn't kill the hooker, does he? Yeah. Who kills the hooker? 
he he forces the bloke to wear that that weird contraption. Oh bit. yeah, but he put and it so on like, like no, he, he, uh, he forces him to kill someone else. Therefore, the dead hookers lust. That means that he doesn't have to actually kill the people. I believe that's checkmate to me. That's the same as putting putting the gun in the man's hand and pulling the trigger. He strapped that thing on, gave him loads yeah, of vehicles or whatever, and he, he had no choice. Brad Pitt to kill him by killing his wife. See, it's the same thing. So, so why did it make such a big deal that the woman's pregnant? Because well, that was what he needed to push him over the edge. You know. No, but, I'm I'm not I'm, convinced. I'm right. No, k- k- <laughs> k- killing the girlfriend wasn't enough. She oh, had it. to be pregnant. Exactly. You know, he, he wouldn't have been emotional if he'd just killed her, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, just as, you just saw like, cares about When did he shoot him? After he told him about the baby. It, uh, I, I, I can't believe none of you get this. <sighs> we, we do uh, get it. You just get it incorrectly. <laughs> all of you know, I mean, you do all understand things like, you know, the ending of The Usual Suspects and Psycho and, and Angel Heart and things like that, yeah? Do I need to explain all of those to you? <laughs> is this going to be our monkey news every time we come back to this <laughs> somebody somebody needs to post up on the thread for this movie's podcast and sort this out once and for all <laughs> everybody please just type Mark you are incorrect that's, that's, all, that's, all, we need. that's all, all we need from the listeners 10 of those posts and I'll mention each and every one of you in the next podcast. It's your birthday. I'll sing happy yeah. birthday. Whatever the people, you want. The, the people who died had to represent a sin. Come on in, guys. Who's right? Is it Mark or is it Jer? Okay, so that's about all we get time for uh, on this edition of the Movies Podcast. We are back again in two weeks with our reviews edition. And uh, hopefully we'll get some more of the team on here because we're starting to get bored of the guys that we've got here and the same old jokes every week. So uh, join us then in two weeks' time. All I've got to do is thank Mark, Simon and uh, Jer. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much, Phil. Thanks, Phil. And if you've got any questions, queries or comments, you can send us an email to podcast at avforums.com or leave your comments under this podcast in the podcast forum. This is Phil Hinton saying thanks for listening and we'll see you again very soon. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.